BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is by you. Welcome to your favorite baseball podcast. It's Line Drive Radio, ladies and gentlemen. A lovely Thursday in June here, the 23rd to be exact. And your pals Paul Cuthbert from the great state of New York. And your buddy Mr. Tab Bam from the great state of Illinois and the great city of Chicago are back here talking baseball. And we got a little all-star ballot uh, discussion going on here today and We'll see how all the teams are doing here across the league. Some headlines and so on and so forth. But anyway, welcome aboard. We uh, skipped last week for some uh, personal and technical reasons, but we're back and uh, looking forward to doing the show again. So without further ado, uh, I need to shut up and welcome my LDR teammate on, Mr. Tam Bamford. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's going down in Chi-Town? Uh, well, uh, I am uh, T-minus a week. From not being in Chi-Town, uh, I'll be headed to the uh, Keystone State. Uh, no, not the beer. The the state of Pennsylvania for my younger brother's wedding. So nice. uh, the countdown is on, uh, but we've got a couple baseball games to play between now and then. So got to keep the middle one focused on the diamond for a few days this week. But uh, Excited for that and really enjoying uh, baseball being played by teams that don't reside in Chicago these days. Oh, wow. And, you know, when I mentioned that technical issue we had last week, uh, uh, it's more of a natural disaster that came into your town last week. How's everybody doing out there in uh, in Chicago? And uh, I'm glad you have your pal back on, buddy. What was that experience? Like? Yeah, we yeah we had a, a quasi-tornado rip through the, the homestead. Uh, early last week and uh, without power for a couple days when it was north of 100 outside, uh, inside the house got up to 87 degrees. Um, So we are very thankful for air conditioning. Uh, Everything's back. Uh, You know, they're still working on the, uh, the, the old Comcast Xfinity folks are still working through some headaches. Um, But yeah, we are, uh, everybody made it through in one piece. Uh, the trees, not so much, but the humans and the automobiles, at least at our house, made it through. So uh, thankful for that. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a mess. I, we were actually, my oldest was umpiring a game uh, over at uh, a field that sits just behind the community pool. And 
they don't have so the pool has a uh, you know sensor for lightning whatnot and so I dropped them off at quarter to six p.m. at which point the TV news is telling us that there's a strong line of storms blowing through about where Lake Geneva is at which to give you an idea is probably about seventy miles north and a shade west of where I live. Um, by the time I got home. And this is not very far from our house, a 10-minute round trip. Um, by the time I got home, uh, the news was jumping into the national, uh, interrupting David Muir on uh, the national news, if you're an ABC person, and uh, saying that they were now seeing strong developing tornado-like cycles in the patterns uh, over Schaumburg, which is basically halfway between uh, where I live and Lake Geneva. And they were kind of guessing that what was going to happen because that's what weather people do. Um, like umpires, uh, you can only be right 70% of the time and be a millionaire if you in the weather business. But, Ouch. uh, so, uh, I, I told the wife who had the kids playing in the pool in the backyard, I said, look, we're going to, I'm going to go over there with another, you know, bottle of water and just sit there. If nothing happens, I'll crush a cigar and watch my kid umpire, but if stuff goes sideways, I'm going to get him out of there. And as I got to the field, the lightning thing was going off at the pool, so they were pulling the kids off the field, and the coaches are saying, and this is uh, this is like a 12-U game. Coaches are like, you know, kids, you can probably just leave your bags in the dugout because, you know, we'll be back out here in 15 minutes. It doesn't look that bad. Oh, no. I said, and I said, you know, Coach, we actually Cook County is in a tornado warning. We're, we live on the west side of Cook County, which is the – biggest county that includes the city of Chicago and Illinois. See, Coach, uh, Cook County's in a tornado warning right now, so you should probably have the kids take their bags with them. And there's a little facility uh, on the premises that's got a basketball court and some other stuff going on. And so they were like, oh, crap, okay. So they had the kids pick up their bags, and everybody went inside. And coaches and myself uh, stood out. You know, they sat. There's a little bit of an overhang over the front door here. And they were sitting there and they're looking up at the sky and they're like, it doesn't look that bad. Um, and just to give the people out in radio listener land kind of a visual here. So you've got a facility sitting uh, that's got the basketball court and some other stuff going on. It's not a big building, but it, it's fairly uh, well built. Next to that's the pool. And then kind of right behind that building in the um, – pool you've got a couple tennis courts and you got a couple baseball diamonds and some open fields for soccer and stuff behind that next to the tennis courts you have a big cell phone tower that has a massive american flag on it and then next to the front door for the park district you have another smaller flagpole with an american flag on it and across the parking lot from the park district you have a church and it's just a you know one slot on either side parking lot not a big deal maybe you know, whatever, 40 feet of blacktop. So the coach is like, look, it's the last week of the regular season. We're already backed up with games because of weather. We don't want to reschedule anything. I think we can make this thing dance. Let's give it the 20 minutes. So I back across the parking lot as a board member slash observer, not invested in the game itself other than my kid being the umpire. And I look up. And the storm is supposed to be coming from the northwest. All of the lightning appears to be coming from the southwest. 
And then I beckon one of the coaches from our town over, just give him the come here finger. And uh, I say, what do you see? And he said, well, the sky isn't that dark. So maybe we, you know, maybe we'll be okay as long as it doesn't rain. So that's not what I'm looking at, bud. The huge American flag on the cell phone tower was point was standing on end pointing straight west. The flag maybe 70 yards away at the front door of the park district was standing on end pointing straight north. At which point I said, y'all should just cancel the game and get your asses out of here because it looks like that's not normal. Yeah. And they were like, ah, Hemden hawed for 15 more minutes. And we watched a wall of rain show up. Black clouds merged and it got dark in about five minutes. And we watched a wall of rain come across the parking lot from the west coming right at us. So we go inside, power flickers. About three minutes later, the rain is not falling. It is blowing horizontally the opposite direction. (laughs) And like an idiot, a couple of the the parent-type units in in the crowd, (laughs) mind you, there's a hallway that's cinder block on both sides, which is a good spot to be in weather like this. So kudos to the Westchester, Illinois Park District for having a good place and being responsible. But you've got about a 20-foot hallway that's about 8 feet wide with 25, 11- and 12-year-olds and their parents. We're looking out the window, and I'm watching tree branches just get harpooned at cars. And I just moved my car to the other side of the lot, and I'm like, if I just move my car in the getting lawn darted, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, the car next to mine actually did get harpooned through the back window. Mine was oh. okay. The storm rolls through. In about 20 minutes, everything's calm. I'm like, the game's officially canceled because I'm going to go get my butt out of here and go check on the rest of my family. And they're like, well, we don't recommend that you leave. But and I'm like, I drive a Jeep. See you later. <laughs> so we hauled a couple branches out of the parking lot so we could leave the parking lot. None of the east-west streets were passable because trees were down. My kid has to get out of the car to get me three blocks south so we can get on one of the big thoroughfares, hoof it to the other side of town, get to my house, park under the smallest tree on the block, which is like two years old, and there's just tree chunks everywhere, pieces of debris all over the place, and spent the next couple hours cleaning stuff up. So all of that story to say... um, Literally, games are not as important as health, and if you have tornado warnings, cancel. Go home. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so anyway, thankful that everybody's in one piece. Glad to be back. Uh, wish that my voice was better, but thanks to allergies because of it being 100 degrees in Chicago. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're kicking a little chain-smoking Kermit the Frog this week, but right. we're here, we're healthy, and the house is still standing, and we've got air conditioning, so... <laughs> Boxes are all checked as far as I'm concerned. Good stuff. Well, look, I'm glad everybody's okay, and it's good to have you back here, and it's great to be talking baseball uh, again with you. And uh, I just want to wrap up our little league season. Uh, the fight in Orioles here from Limburg East Rockway went down in the uh, the game before the championship, uh, but Aww. did lose to the eventual champion. So, uh, but they well, were down 10-2. To, it's down best 10-2. to lose to the champ. Yes, they were down 10-2, and then they made a 10-7. And you know what? We'd we'd run off about seven or eight wins in a row, and I think this is just a great thing about baseball. You know, you can. We had a great season. The kids were awesome. You know, they a little upset afterwards as they normally would be, but we had pizza in the stands afterwards, and the kids, 
you know, they, they were great after it. And they've, uh, a lot of kids became new friends, uh, and so on and so forth. And it was just a, a great season altogether. But it is amazing how, like I said, you, you can you can go on a stretch for seven, eight games. You can beat everybody. And then, like I said, in one particular game, you know, the bats can dry up. Uh, your, your kids who probably play and travel Little League in a rare inning or two have a, a, a mental breakdown on the bases, um, you know, and then you get a couple of uh, tight calls or, you know, questionable calls by the umpires. You know, we have uh, – we were doing single lumps for the whole regular season, and then it just seems like they bring in, like, you know, you know the, the these guys were dressed up like they just, you know – um, you know the Phillies and the Cardinals last night. You know, all looking professional. Well, they they might have umpired the Blue Jays and the White Sox on Tuesday because what <laughs> yeah. a debacle that crap was. But I man, and it was a different flow. I mean, this 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 ump was slowing the game down. He was making his his imaginary lines for the, you know, it was like a whole. It wasn't the same vibe that the kids were all used yeah. to during the regular season, and they made it this whole. Poppinsons, but anyway, um, it was it was a great uh, finish. I mean, unfortunate finish for the team, but anyway, my first year coaching little league, uh, and it was fantastic. And I just can't wait uh, to do it again next year. So a lot of fun for me uh, this spring uh, working awesome. with kids. So good stuff. All right, pal. So um, let's kick things into gear here at uh, Line Drive Radio. It has been you know a week or so, but before we get into the All Star game which is coming up on Tuesday, July 19th, my 15-year wedding anniversary with my beautiful wife. Oh, congratulations. And we, we will be on the beaches of Cape Cod, and um, I'm either going to you know find a nice, cool air-conditioned room, put the game on somewhere, or I might just watch it on the beach with my toes in the sand. Who knows? But it's going to be at Dodger Stadium in uh, the land of uh, Dennis Bernstein, and I'm sure he'll be, he'll be there. You know that, Tab, taking selfies somewhere, probably on the first baseline. No, nobody so. swings as big as... As DB, so you know when he, no when doubt he, when he gets back from Denver in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know. Uh, but anyway, we look around real quick before we get into the All Star ballots. A couple little bouncing around here. What's going on in the league? Uh, we're approaching the seventy game mark here as we, we're heading. You know, about three or four weeks from the All Star game. And um, hey, Tab, I got to tell you, there's only one team in the league right now with fifty plus wins, and they happen to reside in the Bronx, baby. So besides the Yankees, is there anybody else you want to talk about? And, and there's a great Super series coming up this weekend here in the Bronx between the Janks and the Astros. You want to start there a little bit and then maybe get a couple other things that you're looking at uh, around the league here these past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be awkward for Yankees fans to not be able to heckle Carlos Correa uh, <laughs> since he moved on. But, you know, obviously there's going to be, you know, the booing because Yankees fans have never missed an opportunity to boo people. That's part of your obligation as a New York sports fan. You boo your own almost as much as you boo the opposition. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I look forward to that series. I think the other things that I'm just blown away by right now, if you're not paying attention to what's going on in Cleveland, shame on you. The, the fight in Tito Francona's are on a roll. They are standalone in first place in the American League Central. A year plus since trading Francisco Lindor to the Mets and everyone assuming Jose Ramirez was gone as well. I mean, they might be the hottest team that is not named the Yankees in baseball. So kudos to the, the Guardians for just, I mean, taking advantage of a bad division, but playing really great baseball. I mean, they are really young and fun and exciting to watch. And on the flip side, the Atlanta Braves, like, if you're the Mets, 
is this last year all over again? I mean, you've got Scherzer on the shelf. DeGrom hasn't appeared yet. You know, Carlos Carrasco was making a case to be an all-star, and he has to leave with an injury again. You know, they just they cannot stay healthy. And so you have to start scratching your head. You know, as a Cubs fan, you're like, I, I get it. You know, Black Cloud, all that stuff, bad juju, mojo, curses, whatever you want to say. But um, Atlanta has streaked back to within four and a half of the Mets. And, you know, Ronald Acuna is still getting his so um, the two teams I think I'm most impressed with right now, other than the Yankees, uh, if you want to say, and I, I, I hate to do it this way, but I think if you want to take the Yankees' greatness right now for granted and look for a non-Yankees team to watch, I would say the defending champs in Atlanta and the Guardians in Cleveland are the two teams that are really making a lot of noise uh, that you should be paying attention to because they're doing some really special things in Atlanta and Cleveland. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's good to see. I mean, I, I was kind of we, – we talked about it, I guess, last month at some point. I mean, when the Guardians came in to play the Yankees early in the season, too, you know, because we were, you know, obviously me and you joking about the name change and everything else. But um, and and I like I love just the the see on the hat. I love the look and the scheme and everything. And just minus the Guardians name or whatever. But um, I like the the mix up of the lineup. They they actually gave the Yankees a little trouble that series when they came into uh, to New York that week. And and you know now we we, we advance here a little forward into the season. And you know, like I said, it's seventy games in, close to seventy games in. It's that's a great position to be in for this team. And um. Hey, look, I brought it up last episode, joking around, the Ides of June, as far as the Mets are concerned. And here we go, you know. And, yep. and they're, they're talking about DeGrom not possibly getting back until maybe after the All-Star game. So that's, that's, that's another four weeks. It's a mighty yeah. long time. Well, Scherzer got the rehab start done. Uh, they avoided a significant injury with Pete Alonso with the hand and – They've had a couple other guys get dinged up that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But, I mean, you're loaded up and you're going for it this year and then everybody starts getting hurt. You know, you're already, you know, swinging in almost Dodger Yankee territory financially over the luxury tax. And if you need to add at the deadline, you know, they they paid a, a premium for Javi Baez last year. You know, Pete Crow Armstrong is now, you know, flying up everybody's prospect rankings with a really good season so far for the Cubs minor league affiliates. He's already been promoted. And so you look at the at the Mets and you're like, do you really think about mortgaging the future to add to this team because of health problems? I mean, most of these guys are locked up for the next few years. But at some point you start saying, you know what, we can't say, well, we'll get back after it next year because we've got the core in place. You got to go for it while you can. And I feel like the injuries and, you know, I mean, McCann's been a, a disappointment behind the plate, at least offensively. Um, you know, Dom Smith has been up and down. You just wonder if at some point they don't need to shake some things up and bring in some healthy bodies to especially augment their pitching staff because Atlanta's not going to go away. We've talked about it all year. They're the defending champs. They came from behind in the standings last year backed into the playoffs in the last week and then ran the table. And now they've got that championship pedigree. And if you're the Mets, you got to be scared. You have to be staring at that rearview mirror while you're checking your own injury report. So, um, yeah, it, it's you were, you were spot on. The Ides of June have arrived for the Mets, and they need to get help. They, they need a week off. 
They really do. They need everybody to just, you know, where's Crash Davis with the sprinklers when you need him? But uh, <laughs> the, the, the Mets need to get everybody healthy. They need to get everybody right, and then they need to start playing some consistent ball because I'm not saying the wheels are off. They're not losing every series. They're not looking like the Chicago White Sox where they've got half of their team hurt and they're losing games. But the Braves are winning a lot, and they know what it takes. And you're, that's a dangerous spot to be in in the standings right now. So the uh, the National League East may uh, may provide the drama that it did last year. Because, uh, you know, the Phillies are playing better ball since they decided to move on from Joe Girardi as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at both schedules here for the Braves and the Mets. The Mets probably have, uh, you know, and I agree with you, the Mets aren't, you know, they're, they're back and forth here. They got some wins here, and, and collectively, you know, Atlanta's just been playing well too, and, Splitting the series so far with the Giants, and then they got um, a, a couple of games here coming up with the Dodgers, and then they got the Phillies, Cincinnati, and then St. Louis and Washington before a three-game set with the Mets uh, the week before the All-Star game. And the Mets are kind of you know running back and forth against uh, you know the schedule. I guess as far as competitiveness, competitiveness for the Braves and the Mets over the next three weeks is pretty much similar. So if the Mets kind of falter against teams that they should beat amongst those next couple of weeks and the Braves kind of show up and keep keep this engine rolling here, you know, you might see. I, I don't know if Met fans could handle the Braves taking the division lead here at the All-Star break, which could possibly happen. Yeah. And, uh, and again, you look at what the Mets have this year. I've said it all year. I, I do like their depth better this year because of Escobar being able to potentially play a couple positions. I think getting the albatross that was Robbie Cano off the books and out of the room was a good thing because it allows McNeil, who's having a really nice bounce back season to just lock in at second base and do his job. Um, But not having anywhere to put Dom Smith, I think is an issue. And again, they need any, literally any production behind the plate, but um I don't think the Mets are going to go away as quickly this year, but they need Scherzer at least to be healthy from about the 4th of July on and then have DeGrom, and we'll see what's up with Carrasco, but um, but they they need it. They need health really, really bad. So we, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Mets, but it's, all, it's fun to watch a train wreck, so we'll see what, we'll, we'll see what the Mets do again this year. Ooh, ooh, as I'm holding my hand to my mouth as a Yankee fan. Not a New York Mets train wreck now. Hey, real quick. Uh, this, is, I, this is my fake surprise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just looking at the um, the National League Central and the West here, you know, seeing teams like St. Louis here and, and you know, you got Milwaukee obviously at the top there. Going back and forth, you know, St. Louis is going to be in the mix here for the rest of the season. It's good stuff. I mean, the, the Pirates – you know, they're the Pirates. I don't want to get too crazy about them in terms of where they are, but they got some young flash of talent there. But, you know, as far as the Central here and the West, because we've been talking about this, the way the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Giants are playing, I mean, those two divisions right now, I think it's a lot of fun because they're going to pr- be pretty close here at the end. And then now seeing Atlanta and, and, and Philly themselves, too, with the changes they made, are going to make the East – a lot of fun too. So I think the National League is kind of is really kind of um, spreading out here a little bit to you know when, whether you talk about parity, whether you talk about preseason predictions, 
whether you talk about the new playoff system, what's going to happen here at the end, I think when it's all said and done here, um, the National League is 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 pretty much kind of maybe wide open for anybody to to take you know the handle here and and, and run with it because I don't you know even the Dodgers too I don't think anybody's a sure bet here as far as being the monsters of the National League. No, you're right, and and I, I think the extra wild card spot is going to make the National League an absolute blast the entire year. Because you're right, you're going to have three division races that could have at least two, if not three teams involved. You know, we give the Pirates a lot of crap. O'Neill Cruz, I mean, first of all, the kid's built like a small forward. I can't, it, it's hard to wrap your head around a six foot seven shortstop, but here we are throwing 97 across the diamond in his first inning. Um, <laughs> shades of Sean Dunstan. But, I mean,. It's wide open, and that second playoff spot is going to – and the fact that, again, you're going to have probably three teams in the East and West vying for that second spot, and the Brewers have their own issues. It, it's going to be wide open. And, you know, last year a second wild card spot could have changed literally everything. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. And you're right, you know, when we start talking about injuries, you look at the Dodgers – and Kershaw and Bueller um, both being uh, banged up has really allowed some other individuals to step to the forefront, but put some strain on them that I think that they are going to either need to remedy in the second half by adding an arm, and it won't be Trevor Bauer, uh, or you know getting healthy quick uh, and wondering how much you can lean on uh, Clayton Kershaw at this point in his career. But uh, what we love about baseball is when you have to care about your team playing in September, whether it be seeing young guys getting called up and getting their first taste, or you've got a legitimate playoff spot on the line. And in the National League, you could have almost half of the National League vying for a playoff spot for the last six or seven weeks of the season. And that's really exciting as a fan. So Looking forward to it. The American League, I think the Central is still wide open. Uh, the Astros are really starting to separate themselves in the West. Mm-hmm. Anaheim and Seattle have been really disappointing. And I think the East is just going to continue to be a juggernaut that beats each other up. Because Toronto's played okay. Uh, Boston has found a little bit of rhythm here recently. Trevor Story started hitting the ball. Tampa's really banged up. But you know that they're not going to go away. And Baltimore's getting better. So... Uh, I think the American League, you feel a little bit better, maybe, about the the thought that maybe both wild cards will come out of the East. Um, but uh, but in the National League, it's wide open. It, it could be anybody. It could literally be half the league, and that's exciting for fans. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And just swinging back to everything you just said with the American League here, too. Look, the Yankees have just gone out and proven, basically, as far as their division's concerned, they can they can beat – and run against anybody, uh, you know, they're playing against here. Uh, it, it's the division officially for me is for the it's the Yankees to lose because they're winning games in all different types of situations. Everybody's contributing. Even the games that they, they they've lost, they've either been just very well pitched games 
Uh, they've run into a really good pitcher. Uh, or they've come back uh, and, and almost come back and, and, and won a couple of games that they've lost, you know, getting down to the last at-bats uh, at bats and everything else. So uh, I'm not concerned about the Yankees the rest of the way here. Um, Trevino's just, uh, just turned things around, too, as far as behind the plate. The pitching's held in there. You know, you know, one way or the other, what they do with Chapman when he comes back, uh, whether they need him or not. Um, so I think just everything is just rolling right here for the Yanks, and, and that's up against the trading deadline here, too, that, that they need to add one or two guys, depending on, you know, how they feel about Gallo here. And, you know, even Hicks is coming back around. So there's, there's all kinds of good stuff going on in New York. Uh, you bring up great p- points about the Central. But what I want to kind of get down to is this series here real quick before we get into the also stuff against the Astros. And, you know, it's a four-game set, and then I think uh, there's another five games in between, and then they play uh, a game in Houston, I guess a makeup game um, at the end of next week or whatever. So the Yankees, you know, as a fan here, and, you know, we've talked about it, you know, going back to the, the Donaldson week and uh, a couple of injuries here and everything else, and, you know, you, you we had discussed possibly the Yankees maybe, you know, seeing a, a bad turn here and how would they handle it. And I think they've proven to everybody that anything that's come at them so far, they've done it. They're 51 wins. Uh, the whole lineup up and down is, is going good. And as far as the division playing Toronto, Boston, Tampa Bay, especially this past couple of weeks, the series, you know, uh, winning series, uh, sweeping series, all that stuff. So it's all good. But it leads to this battle this weekend against the Astros, who you brought up too, or, or about, you know, they're distancing themselves from the West. Look, Texas, the Angels, and, and the Mariners in Oakland are just – they're not coming back, and I think you're right, too. I think, you know, the Central is going to be, you know, Cleveland, Minnesota, Chicago um, are going to take those um, those spots here for the playoffs at the end, probably with the teams in the East. So with that said, you know, you got the rivalry. You got Dusty Baker. You got huge personalities, incredible talent. Um, you have the setting of the Yankee Stadium in the Bronx this week. You know the Astros are coming into play. You know they want to take some of the shine off the Yankees. And and the Yankees themselves now as a team who've who've now they've proven to everybody else as far as the division and the rest of the league is concerned that they're they're the best team in baseball. They've earned this spot. And I think if they were able to either, you know, take three out of the four here or sweep the Astros or even split two two in their close games, this is just a I think a massive series for both teams as far as where they stand right now in the league. The bravado, the personalities, the talent, uh, you know, almost midway here through the season and maybe a little preview possibly of the American League Championship Series down the road. So I just wanted to get your feel here on all the buildup, the discussions we've had with regards to the Astros and the Yankees leading up to this series this weekend. And I'd love to get your kind of overview or your take uh, with this series, which I think a ton of baseball fans should kind of maybe find some time to check in on this weekend. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, uh, every Thursday, you know, I hop on TSN up in Montreal and talk a little baseball. And they asked me a question this morning. And it was, at what point do people stop pitching to Aaron Judge? Hmm. And my response was, if Anthony Rizzo and Giancarlo Stanton and Trevino, and Gallo, and Hicks, pretty much everyone else that puts on the pinstripes every day wasn't doing their job, it'd be a hell of a lot easier to not throw to Aaron Judge. Yeah, good point. And Judge, Judge has the gaudy numbers, but, I mean, look at who's got the game-winning stuff. 
It's Trevino one day. It's Hicks a couple days ago, right? It, so you you throw to, to judge out of necessity, and he's almost reaching a Barry Bonds level here where you're going to force somebody else to beat you. But the problem is the way the Yankees lineup is turning around right now, somebody else is probably going to beat you. Mm-hmm. And so that's a problem. And what's fun about this series this weekend is, other than Mike Trout, there's probably only one batter that I would say in the American League could put some pressure on Aaron Judge for the midseason MVP, and that's Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. And, and the same question could be asked about him. At what point do you stop throwing to Alvarez? Because he is just hitting missiles on a daily basis. Just reckless abandon. And what's fun is Judge and Alvarez are both built like defensive ends. They're not built like your traditional, you know, 6'1", 185 baseball player, right? Mm-hmm. These these are guys that could play in the NBA. I mean, they could both play for the Knicks, but, you know, so could we. Um <laughs> But, I mean, these are guys that could play on a defensive line. These are guys that could play small forward. And they are just absolutely hitting the crap out of the ball. And so, for me, the matchup within the matchup is, you know, Alvarez is a young dude who was a rookie when, you know, they went to the World Series. Obviously, the Verlander-Cole thing is going to get talked about. But, for me, the matchup inside the matchup that I want to see is which one of those two dudes stands up and makes noise in this series. Because I think both managers are going to try to avoid the other guy getting the best of his team. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, okay, Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, show us that you can beat us. Alvarez ain't going to do it. And if you're Dusty, you're going to say, okay, Rizzo and Stanton, beat us, because we're not going to let Judge do it. And I'm not saying it's going to be like when – Joe Madden ruined Bryce Harper for two months by intentionally putting him on every time. But I don't know how many fastballs either one of those guys could or should see this weekend. And uh, so which one of those guys stands up and stands out? Because for as much as this could be an ALCS preview, this could also be the tape that each one of those organizations presents to the voters when they make the case for the American League MVP in October, yeah. when they want the writers to cast their ballots for their guy. This is a weekend that you circle and say, Alvarez hit three jacks and the Astros won three out of four. Or Judge had nine RBIs in four games and the Yankees swept. This is a series that is on that award ballot tape for those two guys. And Alvarez comes in second, tied with Trout behind Judge and home runs in the American League. Like I said, other than Judge, I don't know if there's anybody that I would avoid faster. So that's the matchup within the matchup that I'm really excited about is Alvarez v. Judge. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it, it's exciting. I mean, I you know, a, a lot of people didn't think the Yankees would be in this kind of situation. Uh, the Astros themselves, like I said, uh, with the talent they have, but, uh, you know, they've been constantly kind of just working through uh, the stigma of being the Houston, Astro- Houston Astros. But here they are, man. And, you know, when you got Dusty Baker behind the bench there and, and, you know, they're still, you know, 
one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, and we got two two big engines that are going to um, hit each other this weekend. It should be a lot of fun, you know. And you talk about the names there too, and then you know I look at it now, and you, when you see the additions to Donaldson and, and uh, kind of Falefa here, as far as uh, you know, just being single hitters and getting on base, you know, and then you know it's 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 the kind of lineup where you you, you how do you forget to mention DJ Lemayhu? You know what I'm saying? You know, with with the other names that you got, you, you know, talking about before with Rizzo here and and, and Stanton and Judge and, and and the balance of this whole thing has just been great to watch. And the Yankees pitching has just been good enough. I mean, Nestor's getting uh, you know beat up here a little bit, but you know, like I said, this is uh, again the beauty of the game, and it'll be all hands on deck here. And I just think the uh, I think the stress here for Yankee fans and the excitement at the same time, and I think for for Houston and their fans too. And this is this is a rivalry. And this is a big one in MLB. And to have both of these teams playing at their tops right now for this series, is, uh, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. I think it's uh, it's exciting to watch. So everybody tune Absolutely. in a little bit. All right? So it'll be good stuff. All right, Tab. So here's the deal. The focus of our show today is about this All-Star game that's coming up and the All-Star ballots. Everybody's voting. And I think, uh, Tab, you can vote... All day, every hour, five times a day, whatever it is, man. And- well, in Chicago, we vote five times a day anyway. <laughs> so, standard standard practice here in Chicago. So, you know, as far as, and, and I know you're going to give us an update in terms of where the fans are, in terms of who's leading as far as the fan ballot so far. And then me and Tab are going to go back and forth with our picks uh, for the AL and the LL here and, and some starting pitches as well, too. But um, it is kind of funny, you know, how things end up. You know, this is what the fans are all about. May not be the right guys in there. And, uh, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but it's a lot of fun to kind of look at and speculate here. So that's what we're doing here today, a uh, little all-star ballot focus. So, Tab, why don't you um, kick this thing off and, and steer us in the direction you want to go here? Yeah, so we're going to give you uh, who we are, who we have voted for, or will vote for, or have voted for um, at this moment. Uh, agree to disagree. Uh, I'm going to kind of captain the National League conversation. Uh, Paulie's going to lead us on the AL side. Uh, uh, and we'll see if there are any names that crop up that maybe surprise uh, some people that maybe they don't like or agree with. But uh, let's start behind the dish, Paul. And um, in the National League, uh, as much as it's going to crush my soul when he eventually gets traded inevitably this season... Uh, for me, the only catching option in the National League is uh, Wilson Contreras of the Cubs, who's got a 917 OPS. Uh, he is the emotional leader of the Cubs. Uh, he is uh, a terrific offensive backstop, great defensive backstop, big arm, uh, has a healthy lead in the fan vote. Uh, the update that we received from Major League Baseball on Tuesday indicated that Contreras had about a 330,000 vote lead on Travis Darno of the Braves. So for me in the NL, I'm staying in Chicago uh, with no biases involved, uh, and I'm going with Wilson Contreras as your should-be starting catcher for the National League. Well, I mean, you're not going to get really any argument uh, from me. You know, uh, I'm going to just give everybody a heads up here for me as far as my pickups, uh, my picks and stuff like that. As far as guys starting the lineups, it's, it's uh, I mean, there's so many different factors in here, especially, you know, and maybe this is something we can talk about, you know, in between the picks or whatever a little bit as much as we can. 
as far as how do you, you know, the fans are going to pick their favorites, right? So me yep. and you are kind of looking towards, you know, you can, to me, it's ribbies. It's, it's, it's run production. It's, you know, it's, it's, put, it's putting the best guys as far as their product of it, productivity this year to get them on in that lineup. Obviously, you know, fans are going to pick the, their favorite guy. And then it's it's tough sometimes in terms of are you really putting a catcher in an all star game because of his defensive abilities? I don't think so, right? Uh, I mean, Yadier Molina's got a, a few all star games on his under his belt, and uh, he has really, with the exception of one year, which we're going to wink, wink, nudge, nudge, just ignore that it was a one year aberration. <laughs> um, but because no one can accuse Yadier Molina of anything. Um, I think catcher is really the one position that you can really make a strong case that defense should be a consideration, and it's because offensively there really aren't a lot of great candidates right now. I mean, you look at the National League side, and guys like Real Muto, Kybert Ruiz, Molina, um, you know, Will Smith is having a nice season out in L.A., but still – you know, a 789 OPS is great for a catcher, but it's behind Contreras, Austin Nola. You don't have a lot of big RBI numbers. You don't have a lot of big home run numbers, lots of low batting averages, unless yeah. you're Tyler Stevenson in Cincinnati. Um, so when you look at some of those, like, macro numbers, there's really not a lot going on. You know, when you if you, if you care about stuff like RBIs and batting average being kind of your – your winners, it's it, it might be Tyler Stevenson and Alejandro Kirk, but there's not a lot of offense coming from backstops this year. And so for that reason, I think catcher's one position where I do heavily weigh defense, and I think voters do as well, and that's why Yadier Molina's been to as many as he has. Um, but you've got a couple options that are doing it both defensively and offensively, and I think Contreras is the best at doing both in the National League. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you there. And I, you know, when you get the the combo of both, you know, multiple factors there, um, you know, I just don't think you can go wrong with Contreras over there uh, in the National League. Over in the American League, you know, it's it's, you know, for me, obviously, a little more guys that you're familiar with seeing. You know, if if, you, if you're watching your team and your respective league, you, you're getting to see a little bit, uh, you know, more of um, you know the guys behind the plate or position players just in general. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Salvador Perez is in Kansas City is just doing a phenomenal job this year. He's not pulling in votes from what I can see as far as the fans are concerned, you know. And then I had um, Gary Sanchez who's just having a really good season there in Minnesota and Christian Valquez in um, in Boston. You know, those are, those are my, you know, I, I'm going with Perez as my first pick as far as, you know, where he's standing and where he's, uh, you know, 11 home runs and 20, uh, what is it? 34 RBIs right now. So he's he's hitting the ball. And then, um, you know, Trevino's just played magically here for the Yankees uh, this past month. So he's a little late to the uh, to the game here. But, you know, now he's picking up as far as the fan balancings go. So I, it's very it's very hard to, to, to choose. But, I mean, I'm just going to go with, um, you know, Perez right now is my pick right now. But, you know, next couple of weeks, next four weeks – you know, production ramps up for me. I think they're all fantastic defensive um, catchers, but uh, I'm sticking with Perez as far as going into it right now this week um, and those other honorable mentions. And just again, just watching Trevino kind of ratchet up here, and he might uh, he he might change a lot of people's minds here in the next couple of weeks. Well, your boy Booney made a you know stomped for Trevino this week. 
yeah. and said he should be an all-star. And right now he's second in the balloting behind the plate, behind Alejandro Kirk of the mm-hmm. Blue Jays, who I appreciate uh, because as someone who is also both horizontally and vertically challenged, um, <laughs> no, it was funny listening to Jason Benetti, who does an incredible job both nationally and we're blessed to have him on the home call for the White Sox with Steve Stone talking about how uh, when they were looking at, at bringing him in, the scout who recommended him said, look, ignore it. Don't look at his body. Look at the numbers. Look at what he can do. And it kind of felt like, you know, you go back to Moneyball and they're talking about Kevin Euclid and they're like, you know, it looks like he's trying to pinch coal into a diamond here. And his hands are way the heck out of whack. And he kind of looks more like a professional bowler than a baseball player when you get him in the dugout. But when you watch him swing the bat, you're like, holy crap. So, you know, I'm with you. I think Salvi Perez is kind of the OG on the American League side. uh, And he's having a productive season on a young, rebuilding Royals roster. But, yeah, I mean, Kirk and Trevino are both doing a lot of uh, nice things offensively and defensively. And I think – you know, right now, Kirk is one and Trevino is two in the balloting. So it's hard to argue with any of those three. So let's uh, let's bounce over to first base. And, Polly, I'm going to have you go first and tell me who your first baseman of choice is in the American League. You know who it is. You know who it is. You know who it has to be. Spencer Torkelson. <laughs> And it's just, it's, it ain't right. He's not even up there in the fan balloting. It was ridiculous. But that's my, uh, your favorite, your favorite Yankee tab. And that's uh, Mr. Uh, Anthony Rizzo with, uh, with no doubt. But, and, uh, you know, right behind him, uh, Ty France here, who, who's in second, and, and, and Vladdy are, are obvious, um, you know, uh, uh, just fantastic players here there too. So, I mean, that's, that's my guy is Rizzo. I mean, you know, and this is where you get into the, you know, what the numbers are, what he's doing, um, his just all-around value to not only the Yankees lineup, but the organization, the team, the leadership. He's the full package, as equally as a guy like Vladdy, too. But, you know, it's, it's, I don't feel it, it's, it's ultimately just a homey kind of pick for me. You know, I get to watch this guy game in and game out, and it's just, to me, it's hands down. I, I, you know, I don't care what any of the rest of them do right now. Uh, he would have to go into a major, major uh, slump here uh, for Rizzo to, for me to, uh, you know, realistically say, all right, well, he definitely doesn't deserve to be in there. But, you know, that that's my guy. I, I don't want to ramble on too much about it. It's too easy for yeah, me. Nobody really needs to sell me on Tony Riz. Uh, one, one guy that's fascinating to consider, though, who I think a lot of people might not realize is on the ballot as a first baseman in the American League. Uh, is Luis Arias in Minnesota, who has a 355 batting average in 882 OPS, and he is not a power guy. He's only got four home runs. Uh, he's kind of a throwback Wade Boggs type, you know, puts the ball where the guys ain't type hitter, who just puts the ball in play constantly and at a really high level. Uh, I think he came up as a second baseman. He spent some time at third kind of a utility guy and you've heard a couple managers make a case that you should have a utility slot like you have a dh slot have the the guy that plays everywhere uh, have a way for fans to recognize and appreciate that i mean that dude might be one of the five best just pure hitters in major league baseball 
and he's fourth right now in the all-star voting behind. But he, but he doesn't Freddie. have 19 home runs and 49 RBIs. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But, you know, here's the crazy thing. Again, this is a dude that doesn't have 19 home runs. He is not a power hitter. Let me say that again. He is not a power hitter. Right now, Anthony Rizzo's OPS on base plus slugging is 846. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's leading the voting, is 857. Ty France of the Mariners, who's second in all-star balloting, according to the voters thus far, is 873. Luis Arias, who has no power to speak of, has an OPS of 882. His on-base plus slugging is higher than Rizzo, Guerrero, and France. So can, we have, a, three can we have guys. a quick little discussion about this OPS thing? All right, and, and, and maybe this is something, and I'll put myself on the side of the average fan, okay? The OPS to me, I don't know. How, how much of it is, a, is it a, a big baseball deal in terms of overriding what the guys are doing production-wise? You know, uh, OPS to me is a stat. It's, it can change game in and game out situationally you can get on base and then you you cannot be a run you may not be a run scored i mean whether it's walks um you know whatever the heck it could be uh to get yourself on base explain that a little bit to me is how how you see that as being a a major or a major factor is is making a decision as to why this guy should maybe considered above another guy who's actually crushing the ball bringing in runs and his average is high well, I, I think Arise again. This is a kind of a, a unique spot for him. I, I was bluntly, I was surprised that he was a first baseman on the ballot. Um, again, he's played a lot of second base. He's been kind of a utility guy, a Swiss Army knife that they've played everywhere, and he happens to be on the ballot at first base. Um, on base percentage has become a, a more valuable stat in the eyes of many front offices. Um, than batting average. Uh, but this guy has a sky-high batting average, which means he's not just getting on base. He's not walking a ton. Uh, he's also, you know, putting the ball in play and reaching base. Uh, but I think when you start looking at home runs and RBI, what's unique about him in this conversation at first base is he really profiles more as like a leadoff type guy, a one-two hitter. Or you know an eight nine hitter instead of a middle of the lineup masher, which is what you traditionally associate with first base. When you think first base, you're thinking Pete Alonso, Freddie Freeman, Vladdy Jr., uh, Rizzo. You're thinking like six three six four, forty home runs, hundred RBIs. That's what you that's what you want to see out of a first baseman, not five ten hitting the ball like Wade Boggs. At first base, right? So I think what what's about that is that this dude's OPS is as high as it is because he's, he's lots of doubles, uh, and he is just putting the ball in play every single day, and he's getting on base. And so that's what I, what's unique and what makes him a bit of an outlier is the lack of power and the OPS being that high. It isn't, you know, Pete Alonso has a nine thirteen OPS, but he's got twenty jacks. And 65 RBIs, he's a monster. Right. So, you know, when you start talking about an OPS in that 900 range, you're thinking somewhere in like the 18 to 22 home run range. 
because that's generally where the number is going to be for a guy with an OPS that high. So for a guy to have an OPS approaching 900 with only four home runs is really, you know, an outlier. And so that's what what really makes him kind of a unicorn in this conversation is he's not a middle-of-the-lineup guy, which is what you associate with first base, and yet the OPS is as high as it is. And so that's that's what makes him fun. And I think if you don't watch a lot of Twins games, he's a guy that you would fall in love with. You know, if you love a guy like LeMayhew and, and kind of Falifa in New York, uh, you know, he's a guy that you're going to watch him play and he just shows up on base all the freaking time. Okay, so with that said, Tab, though, when it comes to this all-star balloting, if you're a fan and you're, you're voting, as far as I'm concerned, if you're looking at this, and I think it's valid points. I think, like I said, if you're covering baseball, if you're an analyst and everything else, the OPS is a very um, – it's a big part of the game, obviously, and a big part of a, a manager's lineup and contributing to, you know, a, a team's success. But if I'm looking at these guys myself, I'm, I, don't, I don't really care about the OPS. You know, it's the all-star game. I want to see – oh, my God, this guy's got 65 – ribbies he's got 20 home runs that's the guy i want to see in the all-star oh yeah no i and, and i agree with you i'm just throwing his name out there because this is a dude that you shouldn't slip on because i would submit that he has been the most valuable player on a minnesota twins team that is hanging around a division conversation longer than a lot of people thought they would when the season began and a lot of it's because of what he's done and I mean, so while I, you and I probably wouldn't vote for him, and a lot of fans haven't, he's fourth in, uh, in the balloting to date. Uh, I think he's a guy that's worthy of having a spot on the roster, and maybe he comes in at second base or third base. He is the guy that I bring up as the poster child for the conversation about having a, a way to get a utility man into the All-Star game, the Ben Zobrists of the world, who we've talked about a lot, and the value that a guy that can play anywhere brings to the table. I, I think he's a guy that needs to be at the all-star game in LA and what position he plays. I don't know, but you're right. If we're going to vote sex appeal, we're going to vote for the guy that you want to see hit a ball 500 feet. It ain't him, but I think there, there were a lot of all-star games that you were wowed by what a Chiro and Boggs and Gwynn and Carew did. And this is a guy that's cut from that kind of cloth. Uh, and that those are big names to throw around for a guy, but that's kind of what he is. And so I'm hoping uh, that one of Minnesota's representatives at the All-Star Game is there on the ballot first baseman. But where he actually gets into the lineup is going to be at the discretion of the American League manager because he can play anywhere, corner outfield, center field, anywhere in the infield. He is a Swiss Army knife, and he's a lot of fun to watch, and he's incredibly talented. So he's not going to get a lot of votes, but he should be there. Absolutely. Good stuff, Tab. All right, so let's move over to first base in the National League, and we'll go with your picks here. What do you got? As much as it hurts me to do this as a as a Cubs guy, you're right, Alonzo's doing great things for the Mets, but I think it's pretty clear in the National League. Look, Freeman's having a good year. C.J. Crone in Colorado's doing everything that they expected Chris Bryant to. Uh, 17 jacks and 52 runs batting and a, a fairly surprising 300 batting average. Uh, but for me, it's Paul Goldschmidt, uh, who uh, is probably going to be on that short list conversation for National League MVP when the dust settles in October. Uh, 339 batting average. His OPS is over 1,000. It's 1041. Uh, he's, uh, he's already hit the 60 RBI plateau, and he's got 17 home runs as we have this conversation on Thursday morning. So for me, I'm going Paul Gold. 
there's about a half dozen guys uh, fighting Frank Schwindel, probably not getting a vote, but you got to love the guy. Uh, but, you know, you look at Alonzo, absolutely worthy. Crone, absolutely worthy. Freeman, absolutely worthy. But for me, I'm giving the vote to Paul Goldschmidt because he's probably, with Freeman, uh, the best defensive first baseman in the National League. Offensively, he's doing it as well as anybody. I mean, really, when you talk about 17 and 60, only Alonzo's in that category. And his batting average is 50 points higher than Pete Alonzo. And the OPS is about 100, 120 plus points higher there as well. So for me, it's Paul Goldschmidt uh, getting the vote from St. Louis. Good stuff. All right, let's um, switch over to second base. And when we start in the National League, and then I'll swing back over to the American. So second base is is kind of a crapshoot this year because you've got a lot of young up-and-comers. You've got a couple established guys. And you've got some kind of regular guys that aren't necessarily doing the job. Uh, Jeff McNeil was a strong consideration. Again, similar numbers to what we talked about with Arias. 327 average, 851 OPS, but no power. Gavin Lux is having a nice season in L.A. Jonathan India, your reigning rookie of the year, no power. Uh, Nolan Gorman has come up with the Cardinals and had a really nice start to his career. Jake Cronenworth is really good. Uh, But for me, I would vote for Ozzy Albies, but it looks like he's not going to be able to play because of uh, an injury. And so I'm giving my vote to Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins, 14 jacks, 855 OPS, and 45 runs batted in at second base. And you want... Sex appeal, this dude's style is next level. Uh, he's going to be the guy that shows up with the best suit, the best colored hair. He's going to be everything that you want in the photo op. He's got a smile that doesn't end. I want to see a dude from the Bahamas playing in Dodger Stadium in the All-Star <laughs> game. This dude's got swag for months. And so I'm going Jazz Chisholm at second base in the National League, who is, uh, I am concurring, with the voters, he is leading uh, the vote in the National League at second base as we have this conversation. Yeah, no, he's, he's got everything that you just talked about. I even saw last week he was, uh, he was called out on a pretty bad pitch, and I think it was the first time um, he had actually been, you know, he, he never really argued something like that, and it was the first time he was ever thrown out of, his, uh, out of a game in his career. So, um, and, I, and I look at that as like, okay, he's, he's becoming a major leaguer. You know, he's... Uh, He's in the mix there, and he wasn't afraid to stand up for himself, and I think that's what I really liked about uh, you know that situation that happened with him last week. And uh, look, great baseball name, you gotta love it. He's a great talent, yeah, and he's he's leading the the um, the votes there in the national. So all good stuff. Again, it, it's tough to go wrong with that kind of a pick. Um, swinging over the American League, I mean, just because he's doing it, I mean, you know, again, I'm I'm looking at uh, power and RBIs. I'm not really looking at OPS for me as you know being the you know, looking at in terms of that angle. And, you know, Trevor Story's, you know, even though the Sox are, you know, they're getting a little bit better here and struggling of late, but he's, you know, he's still pounding the ball, playing pretty well for him. And then, you know, uh, as far as who's leading the votes, uh, the votes it's uh, Santiago Espinal there in, uh, in Toronto. So, uh, I'm sorry, he's in second. Altuve. See, I, I can't. I'm trying to block Altuve out of my mind, and I don't know if that's right, Tab. You know, maybe it's just a, a Yankee thing. I just totally overlooked that he's he's leading in votes, um, but he's not crushing the ball like uh, you know Story is, and uh, even Jimenez in, in Cleveland, um, and even uh, 
you know, Jorge Polanco there uh, in Minnesota playing well too. So, but I'm I'm going to stick with Trevor. I think he's he's given the Bo Sox the bang for the bucks, even though they're struggling a little bit. Yeah, I think Altuve. I think is the most likely to win the vote uh, because he's doing the job on a team that's in first place. But you brought up Andres Jimenez in, in Cleveland. 33 runs batted in, 834 OPS, and his batting average is 304. I mean, his batting average is 35 points higher than Altuve. He's got more runs batted in than Altuve. His OPS is in the same neighborhood. Second base, not a big power position, certainly this year. I mean, you talk about Chisholm and Altuve being in double digits, but most of the guys in the ballot have like one, two, three, four, five. So having seven home runs at second base, not a not a big you know, pushback there. Um, and again, half the home runs of Altuve and an OPS in the same neighborhood and a batting average is higher. You can make a really good case for Andres Jimenez, who's third in the balloting right now. But I'm with you. I think Altuve is the guy. I think when you look at leaders on teams that are in first place, and I think we'll have that conversation in a few spots here. Goldschmidt for me in St. Louis is that guy. I think, you know, in Houston, Altuve is that guy. Uh, he's the face of a franchise that's in first place, so it's hard to argue with what Jose Altuve is doing right now. So I'm with you. I think my vote would go for Jose Altuve. And there's a Bronx bomber there in the next four weeks. Can, can jack things up a little bit, too. He's got, uh, what, 13 uh, home runs and, and 32 ribbies there. And that's uh, and uh, so, so since we're talking OPS, 821%, that's Glaber Torres, uh, or as yeah. I affectionately call him, GT, baby. Hey, and, and look. They needed him to, to take a step forward. They intentionally went out and got IKF to play short so he could go back to second and hopefully be more comfortable and have the bat come with the defense. The defense is left a little bit to be desired at times. It's going to. But you've gotten the offensive production back from Torres. Uh, and so I think, again, full marks to Cashman for what he was able to do last year and then again this offseason uh, to change things up in that lineup to put guys in a better position to succeed. Um, let's stay in the middle of the diamond here, Paul. Uh, and we're going to have you lead off here with the American League shortstop. Uh, just talked about IKF a little bit. Talk about lack of power. He's still waiting for his first long ball of the season. But who is your starting shortstop for the American League in the All-Star game? Well, right now I'm currently agreeing with the fans, and that's Bo Bichette in uh, Toronto. I think he's just having a really good season. He's, he's just a great personality, great player. Um, uh, you know, so, I mean, that was my first pick. I had, I know uh, Tim Anderson there is, is right behind him as far as the fans balloting. Um, I also like um, Corey Seager there um, for Texas. I think he's having a great season. And I got to make sure I pronounce his name here. Yeah, Xander... Uh, Bogarts there in, in Boston's also having a great season, too. But I'll stick with Bo. So I, I, I've got to take issue with the fans right now, or lack thereof, and this is something that we've talked about in the past. Um, we both mentioned, and, I, and I, I spoke about it with Jazz being my pick at second base in the National League, that there are guys that you want to see on the big stage, right? Yeah. You want to see the – Maybe not the best players, but certainly the most exciting players at the All Star mm -hmm. Game. Yeah, you want to have that sex appeal. You want to have, you know, the the guys that you want to put on the billboard, right? How the hell is Wander Franco tenth in voting? He it's, hasn't even. It's got gotta to be because he hasn't been. Yet. It has to be because he hasn't been playing, man. It has to be. I mean, 
he's been banged up, but I mean, there are other guys who are banged up who are still getting votes. Uh, and you well, just, I, 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 Wander I have Franco, the answer. I have the answer real quick. And then I'm going to, you, you just take a full throttle from there. But, but I think my answer is because you brought this up a lot too. It's, it's just, it's the franchise, man. It's, it's that, that Tampa Bay franchise is just, I mean, watching them, the Yankees play there in that awful building, the place is empty. It's filled the with Yankee cake by the freeway. It's filled with Yankee fans. That might as well have been a home game series for the Yanks. And it, it's it's shameful because, you know, the talent that Franco is, and they've actually got a pretty good team there in Tampa Bay, but you wouldn't know about it. Uh, they can't market it. I don't think the ownership really cares about it. And that place is just, I think that's where dreams go to die as far as players. I mean, yeah, look, well, look at the pitching but, situation last night. Who was the kid that was pitching for uh, Tampa Bay? Uh, Garzaga or something like that, yeah. the sidearm thrower, and they left him in there for three or four innings or whatever because they had nobody to, they had nobody in the boat, they had nobody to pitch. That's a professional yeah. baseball team like that, and they're shame. So there you go. I mean, for me, I think it's just the organization. It's hopeless, and that's another reason why a guy like Franco, because I don't think the rest of the league knows about him. Well, as here's the thing: fans, fans know, fans know about him. If if you Not look enough. at the amount of money that's getting spent on his baseball cards and the amount of hype that he's getting, especially after what he did in the postseason last year. And you talk about how injuries maybe take something away from that. You look at the fan voting in the National League, Fernando Tatis is fifth. He hasn't played a game. <laughs> and he's still fifth. But he he so, made he's had a couple of years advanced to make more of a name for himself. True, but uh, but remember, Wander Franco's been the number one overall prospect in baseball for a couple years now. This is a guy that we've all been waiting for. This is like Bryce Harper. This is a guy whose arrival has been hyped and ballyhooed and all those other fun words that you want to use. We expected it. We've seen we've seen stretches of greatness from the kid. And I'm not saying vote him in. I agree with you. There are other very worthy candidates, and there are other guys who should get your votes. I'm just disappointed that Tampa is such a non-factor on the they're national not a sexy stage. Team. I, you know they're they're a sexy team, but they're such a non-factor that the that the the guy with the most hype on that roster, who you would think is getting more votes than his play merits, like I fully expected him to get to be top three in voting when I looked at the update. I expected it to be Bo and then probably Wander Franco. Because of the hype machine mm-hmm. and the way that the league is marketing him. I mean, his face is on the graphic for the all-star ballot. Like, he's he's there with Stanton, right? And Altuve. He's right there, front and center. And he's 10th. He hasn't even hit 100,000 votes yet. So, that's a problem. No bueno, man. It's no bueno. No. It's bad. It's bad. National League, um, I disagree with the voters. And my kid's going to... My middle one uh, is going to hate me for this because Trey Turner's his guy. Trey Turner's having a tremendous season, 50 runs batted in, 307 batting average, everything that you'd ever want. Uh, Dansby Swanson on the defending champs is riding uh, shotgun right now in second, having a great season, 10 jacks, 295 average. I am voting for Francisco Lindor because of what he has meant to the New York Mets and also – when you look at how bad last season was for him at City Field, 
booed out of the ballpark, the thumbs down incident with Baez, which, by the way, I, when I did vote, I did vote for Javi Baez in the American League, even though his batting average is closer to my college weight in high school. <laughs> so it's climbing, but it ain't where it is now. Um, I'm voting for Lindor because he's bounced back. He's playing at a high level. And for the Mets to be in first place, I feel like for as much as Pete Alonso has done, Pete Alonso did great things for a lot of last year, and without Lindor coming along for the ride, they fell apart. And if the Mets want to stay in first place, Lindor is really important. So with full marks to Turner and Swanson, I am voting for Mr. Smile, Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets. 52 rubbies, man. I mean, 11, 11 bombs and, and personality, and he's a good defensive player too. I, I can't disagree with you there, even though he plays for the orange and the blue. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, as far as, like I said, this, you know, here's me and Tab going back and forth on this, and yeah, we're up against what the fans are, we're p- are pulling for, and I mean, it's, it's, you know, the other guys having great seasons too, but it's, it's tough to not see him at least one or two in the votings right now, and, and but who knows, uh, Tab, I think baseball also has a way certain personalities can turn people off. And no matter how good you are at your position, what you're doing at the plate, how much you play, and, you know, I, I like flashiness. I like some bravado. I like having unique personalities. Uh, Lindor is definitely one of those type, types of guys, but it also rubs a lot of people the wrong way, too. So that might have uh, a little effect here with regards to where Lindor is as far as the fans are. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. And look, you got the defending champs with a dude who's having a great season. Trey Turner is an absolute A-list, top-shelf superstar playing for the Dodgers. So totally understand those two being in front of him in the boat. But just I'm appreciating the way that Lindor, in every respect of the game, has bounced back after what I would submit was an unmitigated disaster of a first season on that blockbuster contract with the Mets after the trade from Cleveland uh, and giving him my vote. So shortstop, let's go to the hot corner here, Paulie. Uh, National League, for me, there's there are two guys in this conversation, Manny Machado, Nolan Arenado. The fans agree. And I am voting for Manny Machado, but recognizing, even though I said I'd vote for Ozzy Albies, but he's hurt and he's probably not going to play. And Machado's a question mark because of the ankle. Um I just think, look, batting average is 50 points higher. Same ballpark and runs batted in. Same ballpark and home runs. His OPS is 90 points higher. Um, Machado has been, with no Fernando Tatis Jr., for a single pitch in San Diego this year. Machado, for me, with Goldschmidt, those are my 1-2, 1-A, 1-B in the National League MVP conversation this year right now. And I think Machado might be my 1-A uh, based on what he's done. Uh, he has been everything that the money is worth to the San Diego Padres, and he's getting a pretty penny out there. Uh, but for me, I'm going with Machado over Arenado. Look, two top-shelf, blue-plate special defensive third baseman, probably the best maybe put Matt Chapman in that conversation with him, but I would say they're the two best defensive third basemen in baseball, probably the two best defensive third basemen with Chapman of this generation. But for me, I'm giving the edge to Machado in the National League. 
I like it. I, I, you know, you, I like Manny so much for a couple of reasons here. I, I, Manny, he's, he's one of my favorite um, guys at the plate as far as his stance. And, and you know, he's, he's, he's picking up a big part of the load here with Tatis out, you know. I mean, Arenado's, again, he's equally just a great player too as well. And he's part of a, a St. Louis Cardinals team that's, uh, you know, trying to c- get back and, and continue to, to maintain the name for that organization with everything that they went through last year uh, and the changes and stuff. And they're, and they're right at the top of the division, so it's all good stuff. Two great players. But, yeah, I would I would lean with Manny uh, respectively too, man. I think he's just a great ball player, and he's, he's just a big part of it. I mean, you, you look at the – what San Diego's going through, we could do a whole episode as far as where the Padres sit right now. And even uh, Voight, former Yankee, they're having a really good season there in, in San Diego. And they're right in the mix there, um, you know, with their main guy, Tatis Jr., not in the lineup. And they are, they're, they're still a team to be reckoned with. So um, I like it, man. It's, 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 I think, you know, those two guys, and you flip over to the American, and it's pretty, I think it's pretty cut and dry, too. I, I, look, Jose Ramirez, what he's doing here in Cleveland is just ridiculous. How he's, I mean, you just have more Boston Red Sox fans voting for uh, Devers right now, as far as I'm concerned. But yep. Jose Ramirez is just an absolute monster. He would make me get a Cleveland Guardian sweater. He's just out of control here. I mean, he's got everything with the OPS and, and 62 ribbies. I mean, he's he's just he's a monster, and it's just I mean, he's got to be behind the plate uh, starting. Uh, again, we've got four weeks here uh, for anything to happen here. Devers is just a fantastic player, too. But, I mean, Ramirez, I, you just can't compete with those numbers. He's a shoo-in. No, you can't. And you know what? It's an absolute shame that he's in second right now. I'm just going to call it what it is. Because, you know, we talked about Alvarez and Judge and Trout maybe being the three guys we talk about most for the MVP in the American League. But Jose Ramirez is going to be in that conversation if Cleveland wins that division and he should be like Trey Turner. He is a top 10. Did you just, did you just say Cleveland winning the division possibly? Did you just say that? If Jose Ramirez keeps doing what he's doing and they keep playing the way that they are and the white Sox keep soiling the mattress. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. I think it's great. I mean, they're earning it, man. But just to hear you say that it's a far cry from what, what everybody was talking about. Uh, Cleveland at, you know, before oh, it's, lud- it's ludicrous. When they tr- traded Lindor, it, the tank was in. It was done. People thought Ramirez was gone. Got a nice extension. Got the bag. He's staying in Cleveland. And he is worth more than they're paying him. And he got paid. So, um, I'm with you. All due respect to Rafael Devers. Terrific player. It's Jose Ramirez. Not even a question. Absolutely. No, it's, 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 so, it's, I don't know how to say uh brainer in Spanish. I don't know how to say no bueno, but I'll say no brainer. <laughs> it's close enough. Yep. Uh, yep. It doesn't take, doesn't take much between the ears. It's good stuff, man. So, uh, so uh, let, let's go to the outfield, Paul. Uh, yes. and this is where it gets tricky. Cause you got to put three names Ooh. on the list and you got about 85 to pick from here. So I'm going to assume that you only need to name two. Uh, because Aaron Judge not only should be there, but I, I think it's safe to assume that you're going to have Aaron Judge on your ballot. But who are the other two guys that are going to join Mr. 27 home runs, 52 runs batted, and in an OPS that looks like my blood pressure? Aaron Judge in the outfield for the American League this year. All right, so, I mean, um, I'm going with um, Kyle Tucker in Houston. 
And my other pick is, uh, I apologize, Adolis Garcia in Texas. Uh, yeah. He's actually having a pretty damn good season. So th- those are my three guys. Like I say, you, you look at, uh, you know, Giancarlo, you look at Trout, you look at Hayes, you look at Nail. I mean, you can go down the list. They're all phenomenal guys. Um, but I, I, I couldn't get too crazy. I think those three guys right now with, you know, four weeks left to go in terms of where they're sitting and, and everything that they're bringing to the table, crushing the ball, RBIs, OPS, everything, it's all up there. Maybe uh, Garcia a little less there as far as his LPS and stuff, and, and, and Tucker's there around 837. But, you know, again, I look at the RBIs and power and, and, and what they're doing for their teams, and, and those are my three picks. And like I said, you could just go on and on here with the rest of the lineup here. But, uh, I mean, look, Stanton's got 42 reviews and 14 bombers too, and, you know, he's playing great too and in a, in a f- fantastic lineup. So, um that's it. I'm going AJ Garcia and Tucker, and I also, you know, I like to see somebody from Texas on the in the, in the lineup, maybe. <laughs> well, you know, they got to have one person there. Uh, the only other name that I would add to your ballot uh, for strong consideration of those still casting theirs, uh, you know, George Springer right now is third in in the voting. Trout second. I think Trout will be there because the numbers are worth it, and he's Mike F and Trout. Uh, Luis Robert of the White Sox uh, is a, an absolute star. Uh, his batting average is up. Look, the White Sox have been in a complete train wreck this year. They've been really bad. Jose Abreu is doing his thing, but, I mean, they had Andrew Vaughn playing second base the other day against the Blue Jays because so many guys are hurt. And Robert's been dinged up a little, little bit. He's usually hitting second in the lineup, so he doesn't have a lot of run-producing opportunities, but... To have his batting average up at 300, the seven home runs, it's 20 less than uh, your boy Aaron Judge. Uh, but he is he is a, a special talent, uh, and so I would, I would strongly urge folks to look at him. And then my preseason uh, AL Rookie of the Year, uh, who, who's up near the top of the leaderboard in stolen bases, Julio Rodriguez out in Seattle as well, uh, who's got 33 runs batted in and nine jacks as a, as a rookie, as a freshman if you will, after a brutal first few weeks in Major League Baseball uh, with guys like Harold Reynolds saying send him down and get him some more seasoning, Seattle wrote it out, and his batting average has rebounded nicely. He's up to 276. So uh, Luis Robert and Julio Rodriguez, who could be in that MVP conversation in the American League in a few years um, because of how good they are and the special type of talent that they bring to the table, um, so those are a couple names that I would throw out there to consider as well. Uh, on the National League side, I hope that you're prepared for me to uh, potentially mix things up for you. All right. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm more concerned about the fans right now. So here, here, here's what we got. For f- fan voting in the, Ameri- in the National League in the outfield. Mookie Betts is number one. I agree. Ronald Acuna Jr., number two. For all the things that we've said about guys like Wander Franco and Fernando Tatis Jr. and Francisco Lindor and Jazz Chisholm, Acuna, understand it. He's got that swagger. He's got that sex appeal. You want to see it. Jock Peterson's third. I am also voting for Jock Peterson. So Mookie Betts is number one on my ballot. Jock Peterson is number two on my ballot. Why? couple things. One, 14 jacks. He had a, a just a complete train wreck of a season with the Cubs last year. It didn't work out. 
goes to San Francisco, gets a regular gig. He's got a 900 OPS, 14 home runs. But there's another storyline that I want to see, Paul, and that is this. Jock Peterson, who was a fan favorite of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who spent so many great years as kind of that left-handed mercenary off the bench for the Dodgers. I want Jock Peterson with his pearl necklace starting the All-Star game in a Giants uniform. (laughs) Fan favorite from the dark side of the force. Give me Jock as my number two. And here's where it gets interesting, Paul. Do I go Ronald Acuna with my third vote? No. Do I go Juan Soto with my third vote? No. Uh Uh-oh. If you look at the fan voting, I'm not even staying in the top 10. Are you picking the beard? You picking the beard? I'm not not even staying in the top 15. Uh Uh-oh. But he's worth it. I got to scroll down now. And you know what? You're going to call me a homer. You're going to call me a placating to my base. Uh Uh-oh. It's it's an election year. (laughs) Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs is worth your vote. Let me tell you why. He's got a 390 on base percentage. Okay? 390. That's higher. That's 41 points higher than Mookie Betts. That is 35 points higher than Juan Soto. He is one of, if not the best on-base percentage guys and has been all year in the outfield in the National League. His 871 OPS among qualifiers in the outfield is second to only Mookie Betts. Jock doesn't have enough at-bats to qualify. He's at 900, but Ian Happ is among the league leaders, among outfielders in OPS in the National League. He's got 34 runs batted in on a terrible Cubs team. It's more runs batted in than Juan Soto has. Okay, He's only six runs batted in behind Mookie Betts on a terrible team. I don't know if you're going to get any sympathy for that. And and he's at 2.4 war, which is only behind Mookie Betts Juan Soto's is at a two war. Ian Happ's at 2.4. He's not Kyle Schwarber. He's not Juan Soto. He's not Ronald Acuna Jr. The dude is doing it on a dog crap team. And he's doing it daily. 291 batting average, 390 OPS, 480 slugging, 871 OPS, 2.4 war, 34 runs batted in. On a terrible team. I'm not saying he's Andre Dawson winning the MVP on a last place Cubs team in 87. But look, this guy is worth your consideration, voters. Look at his numbers. Give him some thought. You know, most of those numbers against the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, do we have to play look? Who's on, do we have hey, to you, look? Play who's, <laughs> you play who's on the schedule, brother. I'm not saying anything about your Yankees doing damage against Baltimore's pitching staffs. We haven't played those guys in a long time. We haven't played those guys in a long, long time. This is true. But, no, look, Ian Happ is, <laughs> you know, he, he was supposed to be that next generation of Cubs, and he, he was bad for a couple years. He couldn't crack the lineup. To his credit, he's worked through it, and he is an 
actual star on a team that is awful. I am a Cubs fan, and they are unwatchable. <laughs> you turn it on to see if Frank Schwindel's going to pitch again. <laughs> what was watchable about the, the Cubs blowing out the Pirates last night? Not the Cubs scoring 14 runs. It was former Yankee great David Robertson getting his first plate appearance. <laughs> Pirates had their backup shortstop on the mound, and David Robertson got his first career plate appearance in almost uh, 700 appearances. Oh, my. That's where we're at as Cubs fans. You're <laughs> waiting for the closer to get his first plate appearance. It got to a full count. He struck out swinging. He said, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to take a walk. I'm going to give it the old college try. God bless him for doing it. The Cubs are unwatchable baseball, and Ian Happ is worth it an all-star game appearance this year. <laughs> Vote for Ian Hat, people. <laughs> All right, you got my sympathy vote. <laughs> man, I was thinking you were going to the beard man in, in Colorado, Charlie Blackman over there. Maybe, you know, one of the greatest baseball names going there today in Jerks and Profar in San Diego. But no, Ian Hop. All right, we'll take it. I'm not, And I'm not finding your boy Brandon Nimmo on my ballot. No. no, finding Nimmo or Starling Marte or Brian. You know, Brian Reynolds is a nice player, but look, 2.4 war. The guy's near the outfield leaders in the National League in almost every statistical category on a dog crap team. Hunter Renfro looks like he would have been a cop on like an 80s 9 p.m. sitcom. You can't even like get... He, Mike Yastrzemski. <laughs> I think the Red Sox fans would be rallying behind Yaz. Yeah, not happening. No, I am all in on the Ian Happ bandwagon. Uh, thank me later, Ian. Great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go find him. There's a lot of great media stuff, but Ian Happ's getting my vote. Uh, I'm all in on the Ian Happ train because, not, look, I've been a guy in the past that'll check every Cubs box on the ballot. I'm totally good with, you know, putting my vote behind Tony Riz at first base because of what he did in Chicago. But for me, Ian Happ's actually worth it. So I wanted to get on my soapbox for a minute and make a case for the kid because he's having a hell of a year. Um, let's talk DH. Well, hold on. I just, I just oh, want to yeah. say a small sigh and disappointment that Seiya Suzuki is unfortunately probably not going to make it to the All-Star game this year. Yeah, oh. he, uh, not even top 20 in votes. Yeah. Uh, and has not played much of late because of injury. Uh, Paulie, let's go to the DH, and because the DH is a position in the National League and, and appearing on the ballot for the first time, uh, I, I will go first. And strangely enough, second in voting for the National League is younger brother of Wilson Contreras, William Contreras, who uh, caught for the Braves, his primary position as catcher, uh, and shared another great moment with Wilson at Wrigley Field earlier this week. Um, and I'm going to say something after we both make our picks here. Uh, but for me, I think when you look at the numbers and you look at the value to the team, there's no question that Bryce Harper should be the designated hitter for the National League. Uh, he gets my vote. Uh, but I'm going to make a point after you uh, after you tell me who you're voting for because there are a couple guys that I 
I feel like need to be at the All-Star game this year. So who you got in the American League? Well, it's, it's kind of no question. As much as Shohei Otani has been uh, such an incredible star in, in the league, uh, you know, at the plate and, and on the mound and his uh, personality and his star status. Look, this monster, Jordan Alvarez, is coming into the Bronx this weekend. It's hands down. He's a machine. He's got everything. The power, the ribbies, the on-base percentage, the average. He's a monster. 21 bombs and uh, 51 ribbies. I mean, he's just – and he's just – he's just – man, I uh, – as as much as I hope we shut him down this weekend, uh, you just look forward to seeing a guy like this come in here. But it's it's I just don't see any argument to this guy starting for the American League in the DH spot uh, for the All Star game. No, you're right, and Shohei's really the only other DH when you look at the ballot this year. Donaldson's actually on the on the ballot for the Yankees as a designated hitter. Um, you know, you could make a really good case if you're not going to vote for any White Sox that Andrew Vaughn with a 333 batting average, he's been white hot lately. 31 runs batted in. Andrew Vaughn could be a really strong consideration, a young dude um, on a team that's underperformed. But it's pretty clear that the voters are looking at Alvarez and Otani, and right now it's Alvarez, and I agree with the voters. But here's what here's the point that I want to bring up, Paul. Okay. The All-Star Game is an entertainment event celebrating the greatest players in baseball. We've talked about voting for sex appeal and guys that you want to see on the field, right? There are two guys on the ballot at DH who I strongly feel in my heart and soul and mind, every ounce of my baseball fan being, need to be at the All-Star game this year. Starting or just on the team? Not not starting. I think Harper and Alvarez are clearly the starting DHs. Okay. But they need to be there. They need to be celebrated. They need to be placed on a pedestal that they have spent their lives earning. And that is Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. They need to be there. If this is the this is the swan song for Albert, the game globally should pay its respects to Albert. He should be there. And he should get in at bat, and he should get the standing ovation for 25 minutes. And you know what? That's why he shouldn't start, because Dodgers fans like Dennis Bernstein will show up in the third inning, even at the All-Star game. And then they'll leave in the seventh. <laughs> Got to beat the traffic. But for what he's done for the game, being arguably the greatest right-hand hitter ever, and this being his last season, I want to see him there. And the only other guy in the last 20 years that you could make a case as the best right-handed hitter of the generation is Miguel Cabrera. And this dude's got 3,000 hits and 500 RBI or 500 homers. He has put up numbers that really only pale in comparison to what Pujols has done. These are two of arguably the four or five greatest right-handed bats that the game has ever seen. We don't know how much more Cabrera's got in the tank. This is Pujols' last season. The game owes them the recognition of a standing over, even if they get one plate appearance and they don't even step on the field at first base. The game owes them a standing ovation in the All-Star game if this is the swan song for both. What they've meant to the game statistically, the championships that they've won, the Hall of Fame resumes that they built, what they've meant to Latin American players with Cabrera being from Venezuela 
and Pujols from Dominican Republic. These guys should be at the All-Star Game and receive the ovation that their careers have earned them. So please, fans, if you're not going to vote for them, I get it. Alvarez and Harper should get your vote. But Major League Baseball, if you're listening, figure out a way. Get it done. Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols should be at the All-Star Game this year. All right, so I, I, first of all, uh, 1,000% agree with you. Second of all, if these are, these are the starting lineups we're discussing. And how do those guys get in? Can the managers put those guys in, or is it now it's then it's followed by the, the guys who get the most votes as far as filling well, out the rest the, of the roster? So the managers have to fill out the lineup, and every team gets one person to represent them. Rocking the hard place for Pujols is Arenado and Goldschmidt are probably going to be there. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, if this is Yachty's last season, it looks like it is. You could say that maybe Yachty deserves a shot. Um, I'm more of the more inclined to say Albert Poole should get the rocking chair seat on the roster. Um, and I just I, I feel like the manager sh- should put them on the roster and then the fans get to vote. They'll put three guys in a fan vote off the last couple days before they officially go to it. Um, and I wouldn't even put this up for the fans to vote or not vote for him. I would, I would name and look, Detroit's got more issues than sports illustrated on the field right now. If they need to have one representative with most of their pitchers hurt Baez not having a great season, Torkelson struggling, maybe Cabrera is the one guy from Detroit that gets an invite. That actually makes a lot of sense. He's hitting almost 300. Uh, so maybe Miguel Cabrera is the one guy from Detroit that gets an invite this year. Uh, but St. Louis is going to have some other guys that are worthy of fan votes and worthy of being on the roster. But for me, the game owes Albert Pujols one last all-star game appearance because he has given so much to the game, the game should give that back. All so right, give me man. Cabrera, give me Pujols, make it happen. All right, man. I hope to see it too because I agree with you. All right, folks. There you go. Phase one is uh, we're going to get to the pitches here in a second. Oh, you got to uh, give me. Uh, you got to uh, anybody else on the National League side that you care about? On the National League side, as far as DH. Yeah. Anybody or are you are you good? It's Bryce Harper and everybody else can scratch. Hang on. Let me let me just uh, get back into it here. I was just gonna. I mean, the only other guy that I really like is Garrett Cooper, Miami. He's got 32 runs batted in and a 313 average, but I think, you know, again, first year that the National League's on the ballot, a lot of light hitting guys out there. Nelson Cruz really isn't having a great year for Washington. McCutcheon's having a mediocre year with Milwaukee. I mean, it's pretty much Harper. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to throw Contreras in the mix there, and and I, I would I would give a you know, Voit's actually. Surprisingly enough, found a, a nice little uh, home there in, in San Diego. I mean, he's um, 32 ribbies, nine home runs, ain't too bad. I mean, that's it. Because, like I said, I think both of these, the top guys who are the best at their position right now, the DH in both leagues, I just think hands down, I don't think there's really much of an argument for for, for those guys getting the, the, the picks, you know. Yep. Pretty wide open. So let's go pitching, Paulie. All right. So uh, just remind everybody uh, who is voting and, and cares about this and – is uh you know you got uh, two phases here June 30th uh ends the first phase here for your favorites as far as voting and then uh from July 5th through July 8th and everybody gets to get jack things up as they kind of thin the fat there and you can vote for the uh the starters okay so for the uh 
the Great American Pastime National and American League All-Star Game here coming up on July 19th, once again, from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, home of the world-famous Dennis Bernstein. They will need starting pitchers. We were briefly talking about this uh, uh, before showtime here today, and, and you know, again, I, I think maybe with the DH and a couple of certain positions here, it's probably pretty obvious. But uh, AL, you know, I don't have any argument with uh, Shane uh, McClanahan there. Um you know, in Tampa Bay, and then uh, National League, uh, Tony Gonsolin there, um, you know, at 9-0 at 158 ERA uh, in L.A. Um, just th- those are the two guys I think you got to give it to. I mean, th- other than that, I think it's just, you know, fan favorites, and then you're kind of getting nitpicking. I mean, there's most – there's a lot of guys who get it, but, you know, those two right now are the best in the league. Yeah, yeah, and look, the one other guy that I'll say I just really – strongly considered in the National League was Sandy Alcantara in Miami, uh, who's 7-2 and two with a 1.72 ERA, a whip under one, a 4.3 war already. Um, if I was voting for the Cy Young Award, I would have voted for Sandy Alcantara. Uh, you don't have a vote for starting pitching for the All-Star Game, so we're just throwing out who we would pick if we were managing the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm with you because I like the idea of Tony Gonsolin being rewarded for a great start to the season. A guy who's kind of been a swing dude in a lot of different roles for that pitching staff. But as we talked about earlier with some of the injuries that are mounting with their pitching staff, with Bueller being out of action, with Bauer being completely run out of the organization, with Kershaw missing a lot of time, they needed somebody to step up and grab the bull by the horns and lead that staff. And surprisingly, it was Tony Gonsolin. And so... I love the idea of a dude starting the game in his home ballpark. I think it's great for theater. Uh, you know, I, I think you think back at some of the really great pitchers in the past for the L.A. Dodgers, uh, really a franchise that has been known historically for its pitching. You go back to Koufax and Drysdale and then up through Hershiser and yet Fernando Mania at the beginning of the 80s. Um, this is a franchise that has traditionally been built on pitching. And it's built on pitching right now, but a lot of that pitching's hurt. Gonsolin's carried the mail. And so I, I would give the start to Gonsolin in the All-Star game. Sandy Alcantara in Miami would get my Cy Young vote, however. I like it, man. I like it. It's all good stuff. Hey, you know, more than anything, you know, it's, it's why we do this show. It's because we love the game and, and especially the talent and the players here. And, you know, when you get to – when you look through all these names – and you sit here and you go, man, it, 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 you know, obviously a couple of positions, no brainers, but there's a lot of talent in the game right now. And you know, when you, and you bring up those old timers that you want to get in the game there too, man. And they're, they're carrying them their weight as well this year too. And, um, you know, I love the all-star game. Mostly what I do when the all-star game comes around, like I said, I was saying at the beginning of the, the show where I'm going to be up in the Cape and on the beach and stuff like that. But in years past, as a kid watching the game, I would, uh, and this is before HD TV, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, when cable boxes, you had buttons on them. Uh, but we used to put the TV out in the backyard, and I used to have all the boys over, and we'd all hang out and get a couple of cases of beer. And if it was a beautiful night, we'd be on the back deck, and we'd just sit back and just and just watch it. So um, I look forward to it. It's going to be great. We won't get a, maybe in, in, in a week or two here leading up to it, once the starters are picked and everything else, maybe me and Tab will have a little fun and, and as far as, you know, picking who's going to win this thing and, and, um, you know, maybe a little more in terms of some all-star game memories, um, 
you know, and 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 in just the league moving forward here too. Obviously, last year was just a, a mess with the with regards to uh, the moving the game and and uh, you know politics getting into things here this year. So hopefully, you know, we can continue continue on here for the the game and the sport here and and just trying to get a a, a normal fun American pastime um, enjoyment of the uh, the All Star Game here uh, for Major League Baseball. Absolutely. Um, and one final nugget uh, that I will throw out there at this point. If you're voting based on people making noise, I mean, you want to ride the hot hand. Or if you're looking for uh, someone to help your fantasy roster. Ooh. Um, Are you going to give us one this week? Is that what's happening uh, here? I'm sliding in the back door here with not a, with an all-star ballot special line drive radio fantasy ad of the week. All right, got to give you a little music tab. With a hint of shade at your New York Yankees. Uh-oh. You should already know where I'm going with this. He's owned in 3% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. Only three. Eligible at second base and third base for the Tampa Bay Rays. Isak Paredes, <sighs> who became the first player... Since 1961, to home run in four consecutive at bats in the same season against your New York Yankees. Uh, technically, he was the first player to home run and uh, homer in four straight uh, plate appearances against the Yankees since Bo Jackson. But Bo Jackson had uh, a uh, life-altering hip surgery in the middle of that, and then switched over to the White Sox. <laughs> So there were two years between home run three and four, but uh, Paredes is having a really nice week. Uh, so your fantasy ad of the week on the banged up Tampa Bay Rays who have lost more players to injury in the last 10 days than anyone in major league baseball. And this is, I mean, look, he was a, a really nice prospect in Detroit for a while. He got traded down there and they've got so many young studs. He had nowhere to go, but so many guys are banged up. He got a shot. He went off against the Yanks. If you go off against the Yanks pitching staff, maybe that gives you enough confidence to do it for a while. Only 3% of Yahoo Leagues. Isaac Paredes, the Tampa Bay Rays. This week's fantasy ad of the week here on Line Drive Radio. Oh, buddy, you're just lucky I don't have the Grammy and the Oscar maybe playoff music. Write him in on the All-Star Valley. He's not even on there. <laughs> write him in. The wrap-it-up music. Four jacks against the Yankees? Half of the league's going to want to trade for this guy just to have him tell him what to do. Oh, my God. All right. Go get him, folks. Add him. All right? At least he's, he's playing all right. Sit him on the bench until he plays the Yankees. <laughs> it's like Labor Torres against Baltimore three years ago. Oh, man. Oh, man. The hate is on. The hate is on. It's all good. All right, folks. Before we uh, turn off the lights, lock the gates, close the concession stands. And head on out of the ballpark. We want to say thank you for tuning in for this special All-Star Ballot edition of Line Drive Radio. We also want to thank Revolver Podcast for having us on their network as well, too. So, uh, for me personally, thanks as always for tuning in and follow us everywhere at Line Drive Radio. And with that said, Tab, please say goodbye to the good folks. If it's not a 1,000 degrees where you live this weekend, get outside. Enjoy uh, playing catch with your son or daughter, significant other. Watch some Major League Baseball. Attend a minor league game. Maybe get your picture taken with the Philly Fanatic like my co-host earlier this week. I completely forgot to bring that up. Talk about leaving it on the table, Paul. Oh, my God. 
That was a magical experience for me, folks. It's on the Twitter. At Cuthbert we're, Live. We're, in the Philly keep Canada. an eye out on Line Drive Radio's Twitter. We are attaching the picture of Paul Cuthbert with the Philly Fanatic to this episode. Uh, but get out, watch some baseball, enjoy the games. College World Series this weekend, great drama, great baseball. Yes. I don't know how they're still letting them hit with metal because, God bless, that thing is just flying out of the arc. Watch some baseball, play the game, and enjoy it with your family. Woohoo! With that said, good day, everybody, and play ball! Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.